I bet when you signed up to be a pastor, the absolute last thing on your mind was that one day you would be responsible for human resources development at your church, that you would be effectively an HR executive. <laughs> Probably wasn't on the docket, but it is an expectation, according to a recent article by Alexander Lang that we've been walking through step-by-step -step for the last few weeks. He listed seven expectations that are placed on pastors, and we've been going through them one by one to see what's realistic about the expectations, what do we need to embrace, what do we need to delegate, or what do we need to outsource so that we can do our jobs best as pastors, and particularly, in the, for the most part, as lead pastors, because as a lead pastor, he is giving his perspective on why he ultimately said, it's too much, and I'm going to quit. So he quit, and we're going to try to not do that by going through, and I'm not saying I'm not throwing shade at him. He's doing some cool stuff. I'm glad he's, you know, he figured out what he needs to do. But if you are wanting to stay in the game and you're wanting to stay at your church as the lead pastor, these seven expectations are coming for you. <laughs> if they're not already there, like you, you are living with these expectations. And like I said, some of them are reasonable. Some of them are unreasonable. And it's helpful to know how to deal with these expectations when they come your way. So today we're going to go through the fifth expectation, which is human resources director. And I'm looking at the list right over here. Professional speaker was week one. We talked about the fact that if you are a pastor who preaches, this is the one expectation that you should probably embrace personally. And if you need help with that, that's what we do here at Preaching Donkey. PreachingDonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick up your free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're just looking for a new, fresh resource that might be able to help you in a different way, or if you're brand new to preaching and you're just like, I need any, anything I can get my hands on, this is for you, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. We can help you become not a professional speaker. I think he's doing that somewhat tongue in cheek. Like, you know, you're expected to have the level of like preaching or speaking knowledge of a professional speaker. But really what he's saying is, is that when you preach in your church, you are expected to do it well. And it is, is it's expected to be good and effective and right and true and all that stuff but also appealing and entertaining, but not too entertaining, right? And funny, but not too funny. And serious, but not too serious. And uh, challenging, but not, don't step on people's toes too much, but step on people's toes a little bit, but not, you know, it has to be all of those things. So we can help you with that, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. The second one was CEO. And we talked about the expectation that you might have on you to lead your entire organization. You could check that out in week two. The third one was counselor. How do you deal with pastoral care or counseling? We talked about that. Last week, we talked about fundraising. Who, who's responsible for making sure that your church has the funds that it needs to operate? You can check that out. And then today, we're going to talk about human resources director. Now, I think in his article, he had an interesting way of putting the human resources director responsibility. And here's how he says it. He says, in a church like mine, I am also acting as a human resources director. Yes, I have a committee who works alongside me and advises me, but I'm ultimately responsible for hiring and firing, as well as creating a positive workplace culture. So he goes through a couple of things. First of all, the expectation of doing HR is on him. There are committees, which is cool. Like you might have committees, you might call them you know, councils, you might have an elder board who helps you with this or a leadership team, but there might be a body of people, maybe even a personnel team who help you with this kind of thing. But ultimately, in terms of creating culture, it's on him, the workplace culture, and the responsibility of hiring or recruitment 
and firing, like letting people go who aren't a good fit or, or underperforming. So that means everything from development to staffing to like the things that make your organization, your church, a good place to work, the benefits package. Are you going to provide healthcare? How much healthcare? Every single year, you have to re-up for healthcare, which means it costs a, it always costs more. It never costs less. <laughs> like I did this for a long time as an executive pastor. And when we would go and get quotes for the upcoming year, they were never like, hey, guess what? You got better coverage for less money. It was always worse coverage for more money. <laughs> if you're in the US, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it is, it is, it is a nightmare. So as a pastor, how do you deal with the expectation of HR, not to mention the fact that the larger your organization gets, the more regulations they are, the more it takes to be in compliance with local, state, federal standards for hiring practices and keeping track of your employees and payroll tax. And I mean, it, it is, um, it's a lot to deal with. So how do you deal with all this? We've been putting each one of these things through a three-part filter for how to see this, how to, how to view it and how to deal with this expectation. So embrace, is this something I'm gonna embrace personally? Is this something I'm going to delegate to someone else on my team? Is this something, number three, that I'm gonna outsource entirely to another organization? Okay, so let's start with the first question of, am I going to embrace this personally? This is one of those things where as soon as it is possible for you to get out of this entirely, the better, right? If you have a small or even medium-sized church where you don't yet have an executive pastor or someone who can kind of oversee this part of the church's organizational structure, then you're going to have to embrace it at some level. But as soon as you can hand this off, you should. And there's a few reasons why. One, going back to everything we've said in this list of things, of all the things you do as a pastor that require your direct and immediate attention in terms of leading the organization and you know the vision of it. When we talked about the CEO thing, we talked about how you lead the vision, you communicate the vision, but someone else executes on those plans, executes on that vision. In other words, makes your directional leadership become executive leadership. Like you're the one saying we're going there and someone else kind of rallies the troops and gets them there. It cannot be you or at least not you forever. In the same way, when it comes to HR, that is a leadership function that is such a misuse of your time that you should just not do it any longer than you just absolutely have to. Because it's a that, that's reason number one, it's a misuse of your time. The other thing is, is that when you are the person who gets up to preach, you're the one who's delivering the sermons, but you're also the one who has to do performance reviews on everybody on staff or most people on staff. You're the one that has to hold them accountable. You're the one that maybe has to fire someone and have those uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes you're the one that has to be the heavy when somebody's underperforming, put them on a work plan. It becomes very difficult for them because you're still their pastor. They have to sit there and listen to you preach. It becomes hard for you because you've got that on your mind, especially if you're a conscientious person. You're thinking, okay, I know the conversation that we had. It was tough. Like this guy's underperforming. I wonder what his wife thinks. I wonder what their kid thinks. I wonder if they've told them. I wonder what they think about me. I wonder if they think that I'm mad at them. Do they am I, are they mad at me? Do they think I'm mad at them? Do they not like, I mean, it, it is just an absolute mess. 
if you're not intuitive, not a conscientious person, that may not bother you at all. And you can just, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like. I, I've always let things get in my head. And I have found that if you are the person who has to get up and deliver a message every week that is compelling and clear and biblical, and you have to, you have to get all of that work done inside of you to deliver something worthy of the Sunday sermon every week or most weeks, you don't need to be the one hiring and firing people. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, say, hey, I, I really think this person would be a good recruit. Or you might say, hey, I think this person is underperforming and we need to work with them. But there needs to be a layer between you and dealing with those things. And that layer is best utilized with someone like an executive pastor. And I can speak to this because I was an executive pastor at two different churches, at one church in D.C. for about three years, another church in Knoxville for about three years. And I was that layer. If, if something needed to happen in terms of hiring, firing, staffing, development plans, all that stuff was really on me to do so that the lead pastor could be as involved or as uninvolved as he wanted to be. He didn't have to be involved in every conversation because he needs to be shielded from that. There's a few things that only he can do and he needs to be doing those things, not doing the things that uh, he or she is not directly involved in. So make sure that you have some plans or you're working towards getting an executive pastor who that person can do development in terms of you know, staff development, goals, objectives, KPIs, however you do it, personality assessments to make sure that you know how everybody works, all of the different ways that you do it. In fact, in my course, the Strategic Leadership Bundle, I have an entire section on staff development and a way of doing staff development that I think is the best way to do it. And it's way better than the ways that for so long, what we would do is we would gear up for like goal setting time, right? So every staff person would have to come up with goals for their, their themselves, their ministry area, whatever they wanted to do. And then they would, they would let us know what those goals were, write them down, and then we would track the goals over time. And over time, what would happen is, because the goals were annual, we would either forget about them, they would forget about them, the year would change, they would change, we'd lose steam on it, and then all the way up, we'd get to the very, like the next year, and it's like we'd reset and go, oh, we gotta do goals again. Everybody hates it, but you have to do it. And we realized, okay, there's a much better way to do this. And that is to put a much shorter time frame on those goals, like 12 weeks instead of 12 months and have specific objectives each week and each month during those 12 weeks or three months. So all that's laid out in Strategic Leadership Bundle. You can find that at preachingdonkey.com slash leadership. If you're interested, go check it out. But you need as a pastor to not embrace personally that type of thing. Okay, so in terms of embrace, delegate, this is like embrace the vision of your the way you want to do staffing, the kind of person you're after, the culture that you're trying to develop, and you may have to be very involved, especially early on, about setting culture, maybe set some values for your staff, and maybe set some culture for your staff, and then embody that culture, model that culture, communicate that culture, but don't be the one to execute on that culture. In other words, you may say, these are the values we have, but the executive pastor and your team that's around you needs to be the one that really guard and make sure that that culture happens where you're setting the tone, setting the vision, communicating the culture, and modeling the culture. 
Again, this is all because if you are the one who preaches, you have got to have time <laughs> to work on your sermon. You've got to have time to think, to hear from God, to pray, to plan. You can't be worried about who you're going to hire to like do like paid childcare on Wednesday nights. Like that can't be you. If that's you, work towards making that someone else's thing to deal with. Someone who doesn't preach on a regular basis. And I can't stress that enough. I don't think people who are are in church work that have never preached week to week understand the burden and the toll that takes on you when that's your responsibility every week. So don't be, if you don't hear anything else from this episode, hear this, never be embarrassed to ask for what you need if you're the one who preaches and teaches every week or most weeks. This is why Paul says those who labor in preaching and teaching should be worthy of double honor. That, that yes, that's probably compens- compensatory, like pay, pay, but it's also honor. It's also like, this is the person who every every Friday and Saturday when we're just chilling, hanging out, they're thinking about the sermon because it's coming. It's coming on Sunday and it's got to be ready and it's got to be good. And all week long, no matter what happens, that sermon is coming and it's got, it's got to be there. And no matter how long you've done it, it's still a new animal every single week. So don't be afraid to ask for what you need. So if you're in the weeds on something, then let your leadership team know, let the people around you know, let the decision makers know, if they're elder, leadership team, however you structure it, say, listen, I for me to be at my best, we've got to figure this out in another way. Don't say it's not my job. Say, I've, I've, got, I've got to be committed to the things that I'm called to do here. So how I would embrace it personally is in terms of communicating the vision, embodying the vision, modeling the vision for the culture, for who you want to have, for the values of the staff and the work culture. And then delegate would be to delegate literally every single other thing about it. Interviewing people, finding people, uh, trying to get people to come on staff, moving people into town, setting them up with <laughs> their pay, D- literally every possible thing, unless it's people who are going to work for you or direct, if they're, they're direct reports, of course, you're going to be involved in that. You, you have to be. But if they're not your direct report, I wouldn't be involved in it at all, other than to have set the culture and have someone you trust who's working from those values, knows exactly where the church is supposed to go, and knows exactly who those kind of people are that should be on the staff. And that other person should do staff development. That other person should do culture, like work culture stuff, all the things that go into making your church a good place to work, someone else's responsibility. Now, in terms of outsourcing, there are agencies that will do some HR stuff for you. One of them that's very huge is Belay. Now, there are mixed reviews on Belay. Belay got really big, really fast. And I think there was some concerns about whether their systems and support were keeping up with their growth. So I'm not endorsing Belay. I don't have a affiliate with Belay. I, I, I really don't know. No, I, don't, I don't know nothing. I don't know much about Belay. All I'm saying is they are an example of a firm that can do some HR duties for you. So if you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, I don't have a staff person who can champion this, or maybe you're the staff person who champions this and you're looking to see who can help with this, look into those kind of things. And if you just Google like church AR solution or church HR solutions, you'll probably find Belay or maybe they're maybe they're long gone. I don't know. Maybe there's better ones out there. But the point is, there are firms that will serve your church in this way and help you with these issues. 
help keep you in compliance to make sure that you're filling out the proper forms. One of the things that I like to do as a business owner is I like to figure out what are the things that would be really, really uh, annoying to deal with if I forgot to do them and then I hire that out. So for example, I don't do my own accounting because I don't want to have to worry about keeping myself in compliance. So I find an accountant who can do all of my small business registration, tax applications, sales tax, that every possible thing that could land me fines, I don't want to deal with it. I don't even want to think about it. I just want to have an accountant that I trust who can keep me informed and let me know, hey, we're keeping you out of jail again because we did this for you, <laughs> or we're keeping you from getting these high fines because we did this for you. Great, thanks. That's why I pay you. Your church needs to take the exact same approach. You have to know when it's just a drain on your organization to keep it covered in-house. So those are the three things I would do. Embrace personally to a very limited degree, delegate on staff to someone that you trust or build that person up and then delegate, and then look into what you can outsource because if there's something that you don't need to be doing as a church, just outsource it so that it's not something that you have to be directly responsible for. Of course, you're always responsible for it, but at least someone else is worried about it too because you're paying them to worry about it. So there you go. My name is Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. I'm so glad that you were here. Be sure to come back next week. Happy Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. And if you're not in the U.S., you, you probably have something to be thankful for as well. So be thankful. Um, we serve an amazing God who lets us do incredible uh, work, empowers us to do his work here on earth, connecting human hearts to God. And we're thankful for that. I'm thankful for you, the pastors who make the uh, the gospel come alive in people's hearts, or at least God uses you to make the gospel come alive in people's hearts. And I'm honored to serve you in some small way each week here on the podcast. So until next week, remember if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.